I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. In episode 98 of the Food About Town podcast, I'm bringing you the second part of my interview with Mark Cupolo from Rocco. It's a little more wide-ranging topic. In the first part, if you didn't go listen to that already, we talked through mostly his history in restaurants. But in this second part, we go all around. We start on pizza, which obviously a common topic here on the Food About Town podcast. We dive into traveling to Italy, traveling to different cities, some of our annoyances with going to restaurants. We also talk about the tipped wage issue that's been going on. We commented a little bit on a couple of the episodes from uh, Evan Dawson's Connections that have been going on recently. And, you know, we, we just kind of bounce around a bit. It was, it was great to sit down with Mark and learn more about him, learn what makes him tick a bit. And if you haven't been to Rocco, I highly recommend making a trip over. Uh, grab a reservation or go right when they open to try and get a seat. If you enjoyed this episode and part one, please share it out on social media at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram, Food About Town on Facebook, and stay tuned next week for the next episode of the uh, Food About uh, Town podcast. Thanks no, for I don't listening. Think anything wrong with the action on this piano? dancing with all over the neighborhood so why didn't you ask me baby or didn't you think i could well i know that the boogaloo is out of sight but the shingle links is playing tonight but if that was you and me i got baby back i'm chomping at the bit this is we we, we just entered in the hot zone what is this uh we we're, were talking a little bit of sports talk before before we started what is this the uh we're hot takes on hot takes on pizza and everybody's gonna hate everybody by the end of this <laughs> i'm not gonna say oh <laughs> uh, so yeah mark mark brought a pizza because he was uh you traveled to uh visit pizzeria bianco and that kind of had an influence on some of the things you did at rocco yeah, I always wanted to have pizza after that day. I thought to myself, this is a, this is a really nice craft that's uh, easy to do, and pe- everybody loves it, and uh, you, it's something you make and start to finish and quickly. You know, yeah. it's not uh, complex. Well, I think it's one of those things that everybody has an opinion on, which is, I, I find it one of the more fascinating things to ever talk about, because everybody has an opinion on pizza. Um. And it doesn't matter what they enjoy, how fancy they are, everybody has an opinion on pizza. Mm-hmm. Sure. In one way or another. Um, my position often is that, you know, people enjoy what they enjoy. People should like what they like. And oftentimes they're wrong. And that's okay. You're, you're allowed to be wrong with your choices. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I, I find pizza can be... It's it's another one of those things where we were talking about hamburgers before, where you can be, you know, perfect in simplicity, and you 
the focus on every part of it for me is the challenge and the interest of it. Um, and we were talking about in the break about how some toppings that people, for some reason, people have gotten into and enjoy just don't work on pizza. Yeah, we, we got talking about uh, pizza, uh, kind of what I would call just your basic Rochester pizza, your Pontillo's, your Mark's, your whatever the big chains yeah, what, are. Whatever standard bearer is in your town, you know exactly what we're talking about. Right, right. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's whatever local version of pizza is, and it's always slightly different, but, you know, it's not a slice place. It's not specifically anything. It's just pizza. At the Rochester Pizzeria that does, you know, they do wings, subs, and pizza is the basic three. Yeah. Uh, they're, to me, and I've eaten probably literally tons of that pizza. Oh, God, of life. course, me too. Yeah. I mean, that was, our, that was our thing at home. We had Buffalo-style pizza all the time back in Buffalo, and that was... No, we always we always had the same kind right, of stuff. Right. Well, there's a couple things um, that are that I that I think are basically wrong too about yeah. these pizzas. You know, number one, I've always and I've talked to a, a few people that own these uh, pizzerias, and um, I think the way that a lot of them operate is that they are continually searching for uh, the least expensive ingredients that they can get on a weekly basis, you know. So any food item that where the where you're searching for the least expensive ingredients can will never be great. No, know? it's the race to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the dough is the dough. It's a little thicker here always and a lot of times it just seems you know way too thick. Uh they're they're really never cooked enough and I think that's because it's a a fast-paced business and takeout and to-go, and I, I just don't think they allow the proper time to cook the pizza. Cut a few minutes here and there. Yeah, and it's young kids that are making it that maybe are not really have the passion for the, the finished product uh, to see it through. Uh, that that, that uh, inadequate baking time uh, also affects the toppings, which I think are often wrong and Chris and I were talking about the combination of raw green peppers and raw red onions oh boy. on top of a pizza. That's just it, not great. It's yeah. the worst. And I, I grew up hating onions because of onions on pizza. Yeah. <laughs> it's that raw onion, that, that inadequate crunch, but it was enough to ruin the texture of everything. Because, like, you know, you get the little, you know, we had the you know, cup and char pepperoni, so you get yep. that little crunch of that, yep. which is perfect. Yep. But that raw green on, green pepper and raw onion, that weird crunch on there didn't fit, and they're never cooked. They're never cooked to any sort of proper softness. No right. flavors developed. Right. There's very few times where I like raw onion, and it's really, like, two places, and it's on, like, more traditional-style Mexican tacos, mm -hmm. white onion, and it's 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 just super specific. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I like mm -hmm. that. That makes sense. Sweet onion, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 super. They're light, and it's texturally makes sense in that situation. The rest of the time, it doesn't make any sense. Cook your onions, make them right. delicious. Oh, the peppers that we put on our uh, pizza, we put a, uh, we put it on one pizza, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, those roast in a slow oven. They're just they're just bell peppers that are seasoned with salt and pepper and olive oil, and they but they roast in a slow oven for probably two hours. Yeah, you know before they hit the pizza. So the toppings are really need to be paid attention to, you know, and made 
You can't. You have to make them taste like something. It's like Emeril always said, you know. I don't know where you buy your green peppers, but mine don't come seasoned, you know. So, <laughs> uh, and he used to say that all the time. I used to love that. That's that's a great line. Yeah, and it, it's that it's that small thing about everything needs to be seasoned or tasted. Everything needs to be tasted. Sometimes you don't need to season it, but you should know. Yeah. You should taste it. Does this need something? It's a progression of seasoning all food. It's got to be. It's got to start at the very beginning. Any vegetables that you're sweating, whether you call it a sofrito or a mirepoix or a whatever, you know, you season them right away. Your onion, your celery, your peppers, if it's the Trinity from down south. And, uh, you know, not only, I mean, there's various reasons for that, not, but you do have to season your food as you go. And, uh, you, you know, that, that salt, salt releases stuff out of your it breaks down your, it releases the juices out of your vegetables. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you don't, and you only season like the final broth of a soup, well, you lose that depth. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't cook the same. And it's easy to say, oh, just finish it at the end. It doesn't work right. Right. Um, and so, it's, it's, that, it's that attention to little things that turns into everything when it exactly. comes to cooking. Yeah. And when, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, very specifically about a lot of pizza. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, for me, it always, everything boils down to, you know, cooking style because, you know, our, our Rochester pizza is cooked in a big gas oven and it's cooked at, you know, 500 degrees or whatever and never finishes right. Right. Um, right. like your style pizzas are thinner. They're, um, still gas, I'm assuming. We use a gas, uh, oven, a really nice gas oven, uh, that's brick lined. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, that it helps the finish and, you get as hot as you can get it. We get about 700 at tops. Which is pretty good for a gas oven. You yep. can't do much better than that. Right. And you're obviously going for a crunchier style pizza, which helps with the kind of toppings you do. Like sure. I was there the other day, we had, what is it, portobello mushrooms and porcini mushrooms. Mm-hmm. But it had, it had some heft to it. Mm-hmm. And richer ingredients, and it stands up on the pizza really nicely. And it's, it's some, the toppings you do suit the kind of crust you have. Right. Which I can't say for a lot of places. Yeah, you know, everybody's pizza is going to be different. It's really about three things. It's your oven, your dough, and your toppings, you know. Yeah. So uh, we were talking, we don't make our pizza dough there because we don't have the space to have the mixer. But then we buy our pizza dough from uh, Bill at Baker Street and always have. Yeah, and he's, he does a lot of pizzas around town, especially of that style. Because mm-hmm. uh, that dough that he makes is very conducive for the you know, hot gas oven style of pizza. It crunches up nice, and it, it is a good vessel for that kind of topping. Right. And it, it, as you know, we have, we, the thing that we do with the dough to improve it, in my estimation, is to let it sit for a couple of days before we actually use it. Which makes a huge difference. It does. I mean, fermentation, that extra fermentation time adds to the complexity to the dough and one of the things that people don't think about. Right. Right. Now, is it the best pizza dough you've ever had? No, I don't I, I don't think so. Like if you eat a pizza, one of Gino's pizzas or uh, the pizza at Fiamma, or, you can tell that dough is uh, just is a lot more complex. And uh, Yeah. And it's, you know, it's it, when you when you are doing it yourself, you have the mixing space, you have all that thing. You can do everything. And you're talking about when you're doing pasta, you're doing all those things from scratch. You know that you you can feel it. I'm sure if, when you you make pasta and other things like that, you yeah. feel when it's right. You know 
over time that this is the right way to do it. Sure, sure. We, you know, we put a lot of our effort into the toppings. Our pizza, I think, is something that it cooks pretty quickly, and uh, it's meant to be eaten quickly. You know, it doesn't hey, travel well. Uh, no, I'm all about that, though. I mean, that's yeah. there's, there's a lot of things like that. Pasta. That, yeah, and it doesn't travel well. It needs to be eaten because it'll fall apart over time. And not, not fall apart, but, it, you know, it ends up, it's still hot when it comes out. It's yeah. going to continue finishing. It, this, the textures aren't right. The sauce... Will seize up, and it just needs it needs to be eaten fresh. It does. I mean, relatively quickly. I mean, yeah, of course, serving a pizza, eating a pizza too quickly is not a good thing either. I I've mean, burned my mouth so many times yeah. on pizza. <laughs> well, plus the ingredients don't have a time to uh, kind of uh, adhere or meld with the the dough. You know, so yeah. sometimes if you eat a pizza too fast out of the oven, the stuff all just slides right off. The oh way yeah, you pick it up. You know, but yeah, and I've I've eaten you know. Neapolitan pizzas directly out of the oven before. I mean, within a minute, and God, I've burned my mouth more yeah. times than I can count. Yeah, they're a little soupy and sloppy by nature, yeah. you know. So, which I love the I love Neapolitan pizza. I, the first time I really truly ever had it, uh, well, I did have it in Naples, but here was at Fiamma on the West Side. Yeah, now you, oh, it's awesome, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it? It's it's amazing that that kind of place still. It survived in Rochester. Yeah, it's a real deal. It's the real deal Neapolitan pizza. You know, I'm still I'm still surprised that it survived. Yeah, uh, even though I I know a lot of people did not like it. Yeah, and I yeah. think a lot of people still don't like it. And it's like I I'm still surprised. And I I, I love the food. I love the guy. I'm still surprised it exists. And I, I love that they've got a second location. And it, yeah. it suits it sure. suits the food better. I think the second yeah. location too. It's something you know. I mean, for me, it's. It's like eating a slice of history, you know. It's that is the re, that, you know, uh, Pasquale at Amore. He was make when he was making the pizza. I haven't eaten the pizza at Amore, but I need to go in. I've seen some pictures, and it looks it's looking really nice. And he, and he they're using a, um, it's a it's an oven designed in that Italian style, but it's gas. But it's gas. Yeah. So you can only get so hot, but I think it it does change the dimension a oh, little yeah. bit of what oh, happens definitely. in there. Yeah. It, I mean, it's. Yeah, I mean, when he was at Branca, they had a wood oven yep. out there, and we lived by there, so we ate there quite a bit and ate a lot of pizza there. It was very, you know, very good. I mean, it's the Neapolitan pizza's completely specific, governed by Italian law in, in yeah. southern Italy. And, I find uh, it fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and, and to have that real thing here in Rochester, New York, I mean, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so, yeah. When, so you mentioned you traveled over... Um, have you made a number of trips over to Italy? How many we have, yeah. You know, I try to been going every other year. Fortunately, over the past ten years, and uh, yeah, I love it. You know, it's. Uh, I mean, our restaurant. A lot of people say Rocco. Oh, it's the most authentic Italian restaurant. It's totally not authentic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, the most authentic restaurants in Rochester are probably a little bit more like our regular Rochester. Red sauce restaurants. They're like possibly Southern Italian American restaurants. Lucano maybe is the yeah. most authentic. I think that's that's what I hear a lot of people say. Yeah. Uh, they, they 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 play it's a little more traditional. Yeah. They're Sicilian. They're, they're Ital- real Italian yeah. uh family. And uh yeah, just everything about it, you know, is I feel when I'm eating at Lucano that I'm eating at you know. Rochester's most authentic Italian. Right. Uh, so when when you've gone over, uh, what are so have you been 
uh, like focusing on a specific region to go to, or have you gone all no, over? We've been all over, you know, a little bit in the north. I'm not all over. I mean, I hope to make it to every region. That would be awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a little bit. Sicily, Campania, the Veneto, where Venice is, uh, Lake Cuomo. These are a little bit touristy places, but there's just a lot that we have. I've been to Rome three or four times because mm-hmm. you kind of fly in and out of there. Yeah, it seems so. like the hub for yeah, everything. The hub. Yeah, yeah. The middle of the country hub anyways. Yeah. I like, I mean, the south, the south, I like it all. You know, it's a fiercely regional cooking styles. Yeah. I like the traditional aspect of it uh, that they don't play with their food, at least. I mean, there's all levels of food everywhere. Of course. I mean, there's always going to be people that are, you know, there's going to be people trying new yeah. stuff everywhere. Oh, there's Michelin-starred restaurants all over Italy. You yeah. Know? So that, that takes it to another level, but... Yeah, because I'm we're, we're trying to plan... It's going to be my first trip outside of our area, because uh-huh. I've been to, you know, Toronto, but that, I don't count that as another country. Um, right. Yeah. Well, it is, but it isn't. Yeah, it's um, a good city. Yeah. yeah, I love going up there, yeah. but we're planning our first trip, and I think we're, we're trying to do some sort of Italy trip. Uh-huh. And um, I'm, it, it's, it, there's so much to do, and I'm just trying to pick, like, where where should I go for the first time? Yeah, it's almost impossible to answer. And I think question. for me, I'm going to have, I think we're going to do, at least what I'm trying to schedule out is like going to Rome and definitely I, I'm going to have to go down to Naples. I don't have a choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I really don't have an option. I have yeah. to go down there and see what's going on. I like the South, on. like in Campania and th- that area is probably my favorite. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, how do I do this the first time? I mean, that's, I, I like doing, we've done a bunch of cities in the U.S. And I'm going to try and do it the same way, is go there and try and just be there yep. for a while. Yeah. And not try and tourist all the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Rome's a good spot to, uh, a, a good spot to start, I think. You know, uh, there's a lot of information on Rome out there. Mm-hmm. Um there's a couple, there's a gal, Katie Parla, do you know her? I've heard the name, and I've, she, she's actually been in town a couple yeah, times, Yeah, she right? did the dinner at Fiorella, and she, I, I follow her a little bit, and she's a, a kind of an expert on Rome. And, uh, yeah, there's, it's a great city. And food-wise, there's, you know, it's endless. <laughs> well, it's also just like a lot of cities where there's a lot of, there's a lot of garbage and there's a lot of touristy yeah, stuff. sure. You just have to know how to avoid all yeah. of those things. Yeah. That's I, very easy to research food trips like that for me anyways. Yeah. You know, you get a few people, like I mentioned, uh, this Katie Parla. I always will go back and uh, uh, consult uh, Anthony Bourdain's uh, trips around the world okay. to check his spots out, you know. Uh, well, that's a smart way of doing it. I mean, somebody where you trust what they're doing. Yeah. Because, yep. I mean, there's, there's only so much you can get from the guidebooks because there there's always some sort of... Eh, there's some sort of interest in what they're doing, and it's yeah, they're appealing to a a wide market oh, of people, too. yeah, a wider demographic, yeah. and you know, yeah. there's there's so much um, influence that people want to have over what's written in those books, right? Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I look at Bourdain. I I I've started to look at this Eater Thirty Eight restaurant thing. Yeah, I've found it pretty pretty successful when yeah. I've gone to other cities. Yeah, um, because it's it's challenging. You go to a great food city, even here in America. Um, and if you end up in the wrong area, you're going to get food that you're really disappointed in. And yep. you're like, Nothing worse than going on vacation and blowing a restaurant opportunity. Oh, it's, <laughs> boy, do I hate it. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's terrible. I've, yeah. I've, and it's, 
I think my most frustrated thing is when I go somewhere when people said this is great, and I eat it. And I'm like, do do you guys know what you're talking about? Right. This is yeah. Like I I went here excited. I want to love. I want to love everything I go to. I really want to. Sure. Sure. But I don't. I I can't delude myself into enjoying something that's not good. Right. Yeah. Oh, so I know. We went to a place in San Francisco, and we've been to San Francisco two or three times for nice. visiting my wife's family. And oh, that's a cool uh, friends thing. there, yeah. Yeah. which is it's great. It's yeah. a great reason to travel. You have out the in laws in San Fran. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Like it. Um, and we went to it was one of the Chipino places that everybody talked about, and the wife loves seafood. And I'm like, oh, well, great. We'll go to a Chipino place. We'll pick this one. Everybody says it's great, and we go there. I'm like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah. and it's and it's not like I'm not like the biggest fish fan, but I like seafood and I like well made things. And I'm like, you didn't season this. This is right. cooked terribly. I'm like, how how right. do you serve this? And this is a classic place, right? Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. And it, it drives you absolutely crazy. Yeah, that this is this is what passed for good, and when there's all the opportunity in the world with great ingredients and all yeah. these things to be good, yeah. and you're in a city that it's demands the excellence. That, it's, the, it's the people that are making the food. That's the. It's just not part of the deal there that it's passion to make the best possible. Sometimes it doesn't have to be. Yeah. Which I think those those are maybe my least favorite places are the institutions. Yeah, sure. The city institutions that just ride by on reputation alone yep. and don't tourism. Yeah. All yeah. oh, those yeah. just drive me crazy, especially when I end up at them. Yeah. I try not to. <laughs> what I really hate is when there's a restaurant that you frequent for various reasons and uh you try a dish there and it's like the worst rendition of that particular item you've ever had and then you try a year later because you like to go to the place yeah and it hasn't improved a bit you know so yeah. i mean i don't even know how how that can happen in a restaurant you well know? and it's it's like you you assume that i mean i when i talk to people that i know care about what they're doing and you 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 always assume that they're trying to improve all the time right that there's always something to do that's new and interesting even with, you know, again, like what Rocco does, you know, a small menu, a small focused menu, there's always improvements. There's always things you can do better. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I, I don't understand how somebody can serve something like that and not want to make it better. Like, are you not tasting this? Do you not know this right, is bad? Right. Well, it's the, it's the structure of the operation. You yeah. know, it's just not set up like that. The people that are in charge aren't. They're not connected. <laughs> well, they, they maybe sometimes quality isn't the number one thing, right, which true. is which I yeah. I find maddening because yeah. Yeah. it's the only thing for me when I when yeah. I think about things. Well, it's economics too, because of there's course. certain people that aren't going to break those uh, industry standard percentages. You know, you're not going out and buying better ingredients because you're already at this prescribed percentage for food costs. You're not going to hire talented people because you're going to break those you know fine dining is to me has always been sort of a labor of love and you know that's a generous type of business i believe you know where you're you know our prices are probably as high as most in the city but sometimes i feel like it's not enough to you know right i mean that's that's been a big topic recently too talking about you know uh, the tipping structure here yeah. in New York State. Yeah. No, don't and get me going on that. We'll, be <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's such a big topic between how everybody's 
you know, back of house is compensated, yeah. the front of house, and it's it's one of the more contentious topics that's come up it in the is. last few years. Yeah, it's and it just needs to be more. As a business, I I really believe that the 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 it needs to be more even. The, yeah. The, I, I ultimately I think the owner of the business should be in charge uh, uh, of how people are paid. Yeah. You know, and if you work for somebody good and you know they'll distribute it fairly. It's not you know it just needs a little tinkering. You know, and how how you get to that, I'm not sure. I mean. I listened to something a couple of weeks ago where poor Art Rogers was yeah, bearing I, I, his soul. To he, it was it was heartbreaking to listen was. to him. Uh, this was on a you know the connections on WXXI, and I got a lot of the points. I was listening to the yep. same thing. Uh, the points that these um, the they were you know activists talking about um, you know proper waging and you know tipping and bringing up the you know minimum wage of tipped workers and all these things. I definitely got what they were saying. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, the fact that there are a ton of places where people are still being exploited and there's it's damaging to people's lives. Sure. And then you listen to Art, who is one of the more conscientious restaurant oh, owners in Rochester. Sweet guy. Not only with, you know, he seems to be treating his workers very well. He's sourcing local food in a crazy way. More than just yep. about anybody else in town. Yeah. Oh, he was even crazier when he first started. I mean, I didn't know how he was affording. To... Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that he's doing all that, and you you hear them talking to him, and he's like, "This this is going to do this to me," and you know, and there's there was good points on both sides, but yep. man, the emotion that came yep. out of that was just. Yeah. Ooh, man, it was it was brutal it was, to listen to. It was. I could not believe it. I had to listen to it twice. Uh, I think what's really the issue is that the restaurants need to be examined as to their a little more individually or more segments of the industry. I've been in fine dining my whole career, right. and uh, it's always every place I've ever worked. Uh, I felt that uh, it was unfair the way people were paid in the restaurant, and, right? Uh, but I. Again, there's. I'm sure there's many types of restaurants out there that is not like that. It's just not the way it is. Yeah. And then they, those are the ones that need, uh, you know, they might need looking at in a different way. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. Having never actually worked in a restaurant, it's it's hard to feel it. You always hear the stories. You know, guys working the line and all these things, and they're you know after how many years they're only making X amount of money. I mean, it's there's only so much to go around, but it's still like they're working their they're working their hearts out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to make the food that everybody enjoys. It's a labor of love for so many fine dining chefs and operators. It's and they're not, you know, they're doing what they love, and they're 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 spending a lot more money on quality of everything, you right? Know? So it's uh, it's tricky. It's very tricky. It just uh, it just needs to be examined on a, you know, under a microscope more yeah. than just a blanket situation. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it can be. It's got to be kind of a personal thing too for yeah. somebody who's a you know you're a chef yeah. owner and you've yeah. worked with all these people for a lot of them for a long time. Oh, I grew up in the old school where you know I mean kid the young, I mean I worked sixty five to a hundred hours my whole 
career now, you know, and uh, it's different now. It's different now. I, you know, I, I hear people say, well, they, the, you know, I can't afford to go out and eat in a nice restaurant. Right. Well, I think people have to take a little more responsibility for themselves. You know, if you're working 32 hours as a server and you're not feeling like you're not getting enough money, well, my answer to that would be go get a second job and put all that money into your entertainment, you know? Yeah. So that kind of thing was what was bugging me about that a little bit, you know? Just uh, take responsibility for your own self and improve yourself. You know, there's ways to improve yourself without sure. governmental interference, you know? Yeah, it's it's one of those, It's there's so many, there's so much nuance to it, and... There, there's so much. There's opportunity out there for a lot of people, and it's. I, I still struggle to figure out where the balance point is, and I think that's that's where all this contention is. Is where does the balance point lie? But like I said, we could go on this forever. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think I, I'm. It, it's going to be really interesting to see how it develops over the next you know year or two because I think it's kind of hitting that hitting ahead. It's that inflection point in compensation and everything else it's about your choice in your work too when i worked for this guy jasper white and this was an obviously a long time ago 1983 and i think i was working you know 80 hours a week for five dollars an hour in a major city right uh i made that choice because i wanted to learn and that's the way a lot of fine dining chefs operate. If you go to Danielle in New York, he's got 50 cooks in there and half of them are working for free because they want to learn and their, their parents maybe are able to pay their rent or what have you, you know, you have to make those choices yourself. I feel that way about my place. You know, it's a, it's a tiny restaurant. It's a mom and pop operation. You know, if you, you, you know, it's hard to come to a place like mine. And if, if you're, in need of health insurance and, right. you know, you got to make your choice. You can go to Wegmans and work for them, a wonderful culinary wonderland of jobs and opportunity. And that's more, if that's the type of person you are and that's what you need, you make the choice. You know, it's hard to go to Art Rogers and work for him and then complain about something that he's maybe not paying his people enough money or whatever, you know, but that's, you chose to go into a mom and pop chef driven labor of love business right to work that's interesting you know yeah and i think that that chef owner thing is something that people still don't understand it's not a corporation no. it's not a corporation behind you it's you and everything it, everything comes back to a person right and it's not a corporation behind it it's it, everything everything comes right. back to and i hate to say this too is that you know even art i was you know i i thought to myself well Poor Art is, he's kind of burying his soul here, but he's also saying that, you know, if I could be busier, this could be this. Well, that's on Art. Sure. Well, it's, it's everything, everything, again, like we talked about, it's all a balance. How do, you, how do you attract more people in an area? How do you bring more people into a place while still maintaining a certain level of what you want to do? Um, everybody's trying to strike that balance. Sure. How much are you... I don't want to use the term pandering, but are you pandering to bring people in and, um, and you know, throwing away some of your goals for a place? Right. I don't, again, it's that, that balance point. It's is, a lot of balance. Yeah. It's really hard to yeah. strike. Yeah. And I've been to some great yeah. restaurants in Rochester that died because, you know, either the, 
you know, they didn't know how to keep their business, how to keep open, how to maintain the quality, how to do all this stuff consistently. Um, and they struggled Mm -hmm. and a lot of places end up struggling in one way or another, whether they don't change with the times, uh, or they try to change with the times and then they don't do it the right way. I mean, you know, obviously great, you know, example that just happened. I mean, two vine closed, which was a standard bearer for dining in that area of town for a long time. And they tried to change with the times and it didn't work. It's very hard to very hard to change yourself in midstream, I, I would think. Obviously, there's other things happening there than yeah. just that. Yeah, there's a, bi- a big factor in that that I don't want to get into. Sure. But, uh, yeah, and, I, and, that's, and it's, that's not what, not what we're talking about, but it's that a place that was for so many years, you know, one of the places. And you can only be the place for so long without evolving. But if you evolve the wrong way, you're just right. people see it differently. Right. Yeah. It's that it's that perception of, hey, you're trying to be new. Are you actually new? Or are you just yeah. are you just trying to pitch us a new thing and yeah. be different? It's yeah. there's that fine line between authentically wanting to be different and are you just throwing a veneer on it and trying to be the same but polished? Yeah, up? right. I got you. Yeah. And it's it's I don't yeah. know, it's it's a hard thing to talk about because there's places I love that are the same, but you have to you have to be different sometimes. Well, the heart and soul has to continue, has to be there. Has yeah, to be, you know. I think that's a good point. You know, and that's what happened at Two Vine, I think. You know, and I, I just that you know Jerry Varasi, in my opinion, is probably you know the greatest chef ever in Rochester. Yeah, you know, so it's hard to take that away from a business, you know, and. Uh, and I, Jerry Serafine, I love him too. He's a great guy, you know, but it's hard to take away one of the greatest chefs ever out of a business and think that it's going to not only survive, but survive concept changes. And, right. you know, I, Jerry gave it his all, you know, his best. And he, and he was, you know, he uh, made the decision to uh, make the change and, and he saw something and, and maybe it just didn't pan out you know yeah. it's hard too because there's so much competition now there's so many i mean how many yeah how many restaurants when he when that place was opened were surrounding that area and i mean within you know five minute drive or less um that were comparable right and now yep. you i mean how you could count you know dozens yeah uh in that in that small radius that either compare or exceed anything that they do there and that's 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 brutal. Yeah. To say in new places that are more popular. It's scary. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it's yep. scary for everybody. Every time a new place opens, you even though you feel good about your business and so on and so forth, but you get this little twinge in your stomach, you know, yeah. like oh my god, here we go another. You know, it's gonna the more every restaurant's gonna take business away original, you know, initially, you know, in some form or another. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know? It's a tough town right now, I think. You know, there's a lot of restaurants and all the other things that are happening. It makes it tough, on a, especially on a small operator. Yeah. Know? Well, we could talk business stuff all day. <laughs> but I, what I'd like to do is I talk about a different part of the business. Um, and something you touched on in the beginning when we were talking about, you know, the relationships that you've developed over the years um, with, you know, sourcing. Because, I mean, you, you're someone who does 
more sourcing than maybe is advertised on the menu. Yes, I. it's never advertised on the menu. Not advertised on the menu, but someone, I mean, you've developed relationships over the sure. years. How, how has that process been for you, you know, figuring out where to get, get the stuff you trust, and how have those relationships grown over the years? Well, a lot for me, it's been, a, I guess, a two-part kind of thing. You know, I've met some, uh, a couple of farmers over the time who I've just kind of stuck with uh, all these years. And even going back to the Victor days, I think uh, Patty from Full Moon Farm. And again, these are, it's seasonal. That's hard in Rochester, Of too, course. You know, but uh, we've always done good with her. Um, another gal uh, from Firefly Farm. Uh, was a good friend of a guy that works for me. So we've been doing some stuff with her. Uh, Barry, I've known forever for specialty meats, and uh, we, we get stuff from him. I've always bought my seafood out of Boston from a Steve Connolly seafood. Uh, and then locally, I do a lot of shopping. You know, I'm at Rubino's and Alindo's weekly. Alindo's is such a cool place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for anybody that does, doesn't know where it is, it's, it's open to everybody. It's not just an industry place, although it's definitely focused on that. Yep, it's this, cash and carry. Yeah, and it's such a specific place. It's over on uh, Lyle Ave towards the industrial area. Uh, I work in and around that neighborhood. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah and it, having gone over there, some of the just fascinating products they have there. It's such a cool store. Yeah, it's a great store. You know, you're not going to find, based on their location and their base clientele, you're not going to find high-end stuff there. It's, uh, but for, there's some gems there. I Absolutely. Mean, it's a great place to shop. The pasta selection is really nice there. I buy a lot of pasta there. I buy, uh, cheeses there. Yeah. Uh, but it's all around, you know, and I'm, and I won't leave out the fact that I have always done a lot of uh, shopping at Wegmans. Yeah. I, uh, I've never been a person that likes to buy a case of beets. I've always had small kitchens. So I, I spend a lot of time in the produce section at Wegmans, uh, picking out vegetables and uh, buying just what I need for the day because I'm there every day in one of the locations one way or another. Um, that way I can, you know, pick out a dozen beets that I think are all the same size and uh, that will cook evenly and won't be sitting around for a long time. So a lot of the vegetables, you know, are bought, brought in not by my produce guy. You know, we get basics from him. But, right. Eh, you know, there's been wine people over the years that have gotten to know. And that's a huge, yeah, that's a huge network. You yeah, know, I mean, the wine, the wine thing's fascinating. I mean, yeah. um, with... You know the direction wine wine's been going in the last few years too. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know when I had my restaurant in Victor, we uh, only served American wines, mm. and uh, that was my thing at the time. And uh, we probably had more New York wines on our list there than anybody in the city, uh, and a lot of California wines, Washington State, Oregon. It was kind of a blooming time for those areas too, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, I mean it's amazing the kind of prestige that's coming out of the Pacific Northwest yeah. now and obviously, you know, the prestige now coming out of our own region. Oh, the New York thing's it's amazing to see how it's grown. It's it's now of course, you know, we got on in this Rocco thing and we got into uh, all Italian wine, which is something I knew nothing about and now I know I'm not, you know, I'm not a huge wine guy, you know, yeah. but it's my beverage of choice when I'm drinking alcoholic beverage, mm -hmm. but I don't 
spend hours and hours. Stu- I mean, you could spend a lifetime studying wine. You know, yeah, and you can spend it just in one country learning about right. it. Is well, that's why I always set up these type of wine lists because it's more focused for the guest, your staff, and myself to uh, get a feel for some sort of confidence with it that mm-hmm. you can talk about it. It's it's really just for that. It's not because I had a huge love for Italian wine or a huge love for American wine at the time. It just made sense to me from a business standpoint to to create the focus for everybody. Yeah, and the focus I think is important because you can you can only do so many things well. Right. And right. that the small menu I think is a huge part of that. You can only do so many things well in a day. Yep. And whenever I see a big menu, I'm like, you you actually think you can execute that properly? Yeah, it's a good indication of what's going to happen, the size of the menu. There's only You can only do so many things well. You can only store so many things yep. properly. Yep. You can only sell. I mean, the, your sales mix is, sp- you know, it's spread too thin. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think we're I think we're rounding out for today, truthfully. <laughs> it's it's about that time the sun has come sun's out. Coming out yeah. The sun's come out. It looks like a beautiful day now. And I think we're gonna stop for now. So again, we, this was uh, it was a pleasure to have you over. I know we've been we've been on and off talking for a while. Yeah, it's been fun. I I've been you know I listened to all every single one of Chris's podcasts. When I first got onto it, I had I looked at the all his past episodes. Yeah. And I think I listened to all of them in a week. You know, <laughs> so I love you know I love the business and I love to hear people's stories about how they, what they do, chefs mostly. Right. And I you know and I learn too because I'm not a big beverage guy. You know, and I listen to a lot of beverage podcasts, maybe even more just to keep myself. The I know uh, Heritage Radio Network out of New York or Brooklyn. Yeah, I've been listening to a few of their programs as well i mean uh, like we said uh, dave arnold yep. which uh modernist cuisine that's uh, that one's really good i listened to their um wine podcast yep. was it a sam ben ruby's podcast yeah yep, me too um fascinating to hear i mean the high end the highest end of new york wine people talk about you know how they do their lists and all that stuff yep. i i learned something listen almost every episode of that oh god yeah uh, listening to all that is, i love it Always learn something. Yeah, the New York wine thing is really, and this Geneva thing is even more interesting. Oh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, there, there's cool. so much. There's so much to be told about that still that I don't think is being talked about. Right, it's going to continue to uh, grow there. I think. Kind I think a, that. I think that New York Wine and Culinary Center should have been there instead of Canandaigua, but. Yeah, and it, it's it's it would be nice. It's right in the heart, and it's so close to the actual wineries yep. there. Yep. Um, it is. It's in a nice location for people to come in from Rochester. It's so close. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that Geneva is becoming this hub of top finger, of the finger lakes, yeah. finger lakes activity. It's yep. everything you're finding there now. I mean, the fact that it's you know, it's such a small area, but it's the concentration of like uh, nicer restaurants and. Wine bars. I mean, some of the one of the better wine. I mean, microclimate. Such a great wine yeah, bar. Yeah, I couldn't get in. It was closed when I went down. But yeah, I want to go there. A great local wine bar. Um, obviously, you know what Christopher Bates is doing at FLX oh, that Table. Seems amazing to me. Yeah, he's a he's a rock star, yeah. and he's focusing his efforts here in the Finger Lakes yeah. in Geneva. Yep. Yeah, that's cool. He's got what three or four places now. He's gonna have his own. The you know the FLX Table. He's got the wienery. Yeah. He's got his. 
new fermentation place. He's got Element Winery, and he's got the new uh, fried chicken place. Yep. I mean, he's he is going Massive. hard. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that's cool. What I think is cool about that, too, is that if you follow his stuff, it's amazing. His circle of psalms that, yeah. are, that are spending quite a bit of time up here, you know, uh, all these New York psalms and West Coast, and they're visit, coming to visit him and see his stuff, and uh, they're seeing the Finger Lakes. And you're going to see, you might see some more of these people root here. Yeah, and it's fascinating to see some of these like winemakers, like there's this new, there's this Riesling that's popping up on tons of different menus. And it's, you see Empire Riesling. It's popping up on a ton of menus. Well, yeah. the guy that owns the brand, he's a sommelier out of New York. Okay. Yeah. And they're making it here. And now it's being sold all over New York City, all over Rochester now at bigger restaurants. And you see it pop up everywhere. Like, why is this popping now? And there's this this cachet that now the Finger Wakes has. You know, Finger Wakes Riesling has a cachet. It sure does. Uh, you know, uh, New York. I asked somebody the other day, one of my good wine purveyors and friends, about New York wines in the city, in New York City, and he said it's just amazing. What's you know, it's the young, it's the young, the young people of today are. Uh, the industry is just only going to get better and better it's better now the young people are you know they're passionate about so many things that contribute to a healthy and great food and wine industry you yeah know? it's what's well, the whole infrastructure i mean at least we from my perspective we're trying to get trying to get the best yeah we're trying to get individual character yeah and there's so much opportunity yeah. in that right now like the beverage the only way i know anything about beer i'm not a beer person but is listening to your show you know i mean <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really uh it's just fascinating what's going on and I think the again it's the it's the young people today that are headed heading this in a positive direction and yeah. in a good direction yeah hey sure. you know what we can be nerds about everything yeah i like it it's not yeah, just yeah. one thing anymore we can be nerds about you know about beer about wine about spirits coffee or oh, coffee, coffee of course guy, yeah. yeah we can yeah. be nerds about coffee and we can be nerds about the kind of food that we all go out and enjoy. Yeah. And for anybody that hasn't gone, make sure you go visit Rocco over on Monroe Ave. It's it's kind of the it's the standard bearer of what I would consider the optimal local style restaurant, your favorite neighborhood place, um, cooking consistent food, sourced well, and you know, trying to trying to be the kind of place you love to go with family, friends, and just to go on any day of the week, really. It's consistent, you know, that's the consistency. I keep going back to that. And we never change our menu per se. We change two items a season. It's our specials that allow us to do what we do, different things and continual seasonal stuff. But it's, you know, you, you learn, I think you learn over time in this business that people want to come back to the same thing. They want to, you know, there's so many people that you see that order the same exact thing every single time. Yeah. And we provide that, you know, and, and I think that's important for, it's always been important for me, uh, to be successful. You know, uh, you have to understand your market that you're in. That's really the key, you know, yeah. and I appreciate people trying to break the Rochester mold of diners, you know, yeah. and you got to follow your, your creativity and your, desires and everything else and and chefs tend to be very creative and they want to do their thing but you have to really understand what 
people are like and what they want, you know. So. Yeah. Well, and then there's there's always going to be dishes where people are not going to understand. And yeah. Or return for within the year, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's great to have something really interesting and different and, and so on and so forth, but you might not think about it again for another year. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it happens to the best of us. Yes. All right. So... Thanks for coming over, buddy. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, we'll definitely have you on again maybe when uh, some other hot topic comes on. Mm -hmm. Mark Cupolo's Hot Topic Zone. Hot takes all day. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks, man. Yep, thank you.